Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word and a pivotal chapter in Hosea tonight where we get to see your heart and we get to see um, what you're asking of Hosea. And we thank you for this, this small text tonight, God, because it's, it's very powerful and it's very direct. And we just, we can to be really encouraged by that. It's one of those Bible texts, Lord, where we get to throw, throw ourselves in the story. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we are in, in Hosea 3, 1 to 5. And that's all there is in Hosea 3. Let's just take this a verse at a time. Verse 1. And the Lord said to me, this is, of course, this is Hosea. So he's a prophet. So God's talking to him. Okay. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love tasty raisin cakes. (laughs) They love cakes of raisins. So go again, love. First one, take in the emotions of that, would you? We're just going to walk through this text tonight. We're not going to do heavy, heavy teaching of this, because this is one of those things that kind of just teaches itself. Very simple, very straightforward text. Taking those emotions, what was God asking Hosea to do? That woman was an adulteress. He literally says here, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man. Go again. So he's already loved her once. Remember that he had a kid. Okay. She had two other kids. We are not quite certain if they're Hosea's or not. He's already loved her once. He's already married her once. But now she has gone astray. And she is with other men. God brings up adultery. So could these be customers? Um, to use an awkward word, could it be like a pimp? Could it be like somebody who kind of like has, because he's going to ask Hosea to pay for her. So maybe there's like a price that this guy has over her and he rents her out. I mean, this is a disgusting image, but this is what we're dealing with here, especially in the ancient world. Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. You know, that's not something that you dream of doing. Well, what kind of girl are you going to marry when you grow up? You know, I'm going to go to the side streets and find the kind of woman that walks up to cars. Really? That's what you're going to tell your parents? Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Ah, so right away, God's making about not just Hosea's plan, not his plan for Hosea, but now God's plan. Because Israel is like that adulterous woman who has no business. Well, let's not say she has no business with him. He really has no business going after her. He can find any other person. He can find a wife, you know, worthy of his station as a prophet. Let's just say it that way. Someone who's not going to run away from him and sleep with any other person. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, Though they turn to other gods, taking those emotions, what is God saying there? 
What has God had to deal with? How much does he have to do for Israel? And they still step out on him. Think about that. Did Baal deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt? No. Was it Baal that went before them in an ark that led them and conquered the promised land? No. How much more does God have to do for Israel? And they're still going to option B. They're still thinking that the grass is greener. You might say, oh, I would never do that to God. But if you're always looking for your green pasture, you're telling God he's not enough. God, I want something better than what I have right now. God, you promised me blessings. Where are my blessings? Hello, Emmanuel's a blessing. Isn't he enough? I mean, I don't mean to be rude. We talked about this before. If you're always looking for greener pastures, you're saying God sucks as a shepherd. Because if he was any better of a shepherd, he'd have your back right now. He'd be giving you the grade A stuff right now. Those emotions. What must have Hosea been going through? We don't get a seriously. I mean, in the burning bush episode, Moses got to push back, didn't he? Are you certain about this, God? I mean, I, I kind of, blah, 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 I have some kind of a talking problem. Are you serious? Seriously, me? He didn't bring up, hey, I'm a wanted man. You know, I killed somebody. You know, you know, he didn't do that, but, they, but he at least got to push back a bit. Hosea is just go. Mick texted in. It's like God saying to Israel, even us, I'm going to love you regardless of you. My love is completely un unconditioned and unmerited. I don't know why God loves us. I don't know why God loves Israel. I get the general sense that God has to keep his word to Abraham because God gave his word. But I don't know why God is going this way. And God's the one treating it like a marriage, not me. And God's saying, go run after her. Go bring her back. That one who cheated on you. You weren't enough for her, Hosea. You couldn't satisfy her, whatever that's supposed to mean. doesn't have to be sexual. It could be any other thing. Because she talked about last week, the rings and the fineries or whatnot. Maybe someone else had more of this or more of that. And she ran after that. Hosea wasn't enough. But that didn't matter. God said, go get her. Go love her again. Absorb that rejection. God was rejected by Israel again and again and again. Hosea's felt that rejection. Think of the times where you have walked out on God, where you have rejected him. I mean, you've got to do that. You've got to take that in. You can't read this and go, gee, I wonder if I'm Hosea in this. No, no. I wouldn't say you're Hosea. You might have been betrayed. God might be calling you to be a reconciler. I don't know exactly. I know God expects us to forgive people and God expects us to be peacemakers, but that's a different context here. God loves us because he created us to be his family. He created us to be in a special relationship with him, one in which no other creation could have. And we are unique and special. Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, 
though they turn to other gods and, and love cakes of raisins. I don't know what that, that last part is supposed to mean. I think there's a, I think Jeremiah and his, and his, which is not too far away from Hosea. I believe in Jeremiah's day, there was um, like a Babylonian kind of like an Ishtar queen of heaven. They called her and she had raisin cakes and they were like special delicacies. And, you know, in a, in a world where your only sugar was like date or honey from flowers kind of thing. It's like to be able to have that, a special cake that you, they ran after it. And that was like, I mean, don't, don't kid yourself. When, when, when they first met the Bales, it was in the Balaam episode and, and they had the, the Moabites brought out women and brought out meat. So they had a barbecue and the Israelites were like, heck yeah. So food seems to be their thing. And so, yeah, I want to put there in the blue text there. God's love is not quenched by human failures or disloyalties. You may feel like you've been disloyal to God. You may feel like you're a failure when it comes to your relationship with God. I don't know what God's story is with you. But what I do know is if God's love was able to be controlled by the fact that you love him back, you would have something on God. God would cease to be completely sovereign because he would be dependent upon your response. No, if God sovereignly wants to love you, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to stop him from loving you because God doesn't follow you at any time. At any time, or does God saying, well, I wonder what she's going to do. Because once I know what she's going to do, I got the perfect response, but she has to do it first and then I'm good. Some people think God's that way. If you're more on the Arminian side, more on the like really, really free will side, that's where you have to go logically. That God is at best the great responder, not the great sovereign. That God can't decree because he has to wait for you to act and then he'll respond to you acting. That's it. This is really the best you could do. Or possibly that God has this expansive foreknowledge. He already knows what you're going to do, but you still have to do it. And theoretically, you could still not do it. And so you could out choose God. That's where they would land. Go again, love. Verse two, so I bought her. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lefeka barley. Wow. Now that doesn't sound like a very nice sentence. So I bought her. Well, it implies that she was selling herself, like on a slave market, like she was there and she had a price on her head. That in order for Hosea to do what God was telling him to do, he had to pony up. He had to get his, his wallet and he had to pay her. Or in this case, he had to, he had to pay her with uh, some grain. But that was her economy. So I bought her. 15 shekels of silver and a homer and lefek of barley. I've got a note saying a shekel was, was about two-fifths of an ounce or 11 grams. A homer was about six bushels or 220 liters. And a lefek was about three bushels or 110 liters. That's a lot. He bought her. The ransom was paid. Her debt was satisfied. Gosh, Joel, that preaches. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? He told Homer, excuse me, he told Hosea, Homer's in the text here. He told Hosea, buy, go, go love her again. In order to do that, 
he had to have, this sounds bad. She was under the possession of another person. He had to remedy that. He couldn't have her. He couldn't be in a relationship with her. That wasn't possible until her price was paid. That still preaches, doesn't it? The ransom was paid, the debt was satisfied. Imagine the scene. This is better than 100 sermons. I, I wrote it down. I, I wrote it down completely. A man paid, there's your blue text here, a man paid good money so that he could take back an undeserving wife who had betrayed him. New love broke out between two people. A marriage was restored. A living picture of God's love as a man loved his unworthy wife. Was she worthy of that love? She ran away from him. She slept with other men. She sold herself so she had a debt over her head. She was a prostitute, living flamboyantly outside of that marriage. Was she worthy of that ransom to be paid? Now, we're not saying she has no worth as a person or she has no respect or she's not made in the image of God. No, 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 we're not saying that. We're talking about their relationship. Would you say to Hosea, hey, yeah, that's a good idea. Go buy her back. No, you'd be saying, you know what, run. Go find, there's someone has a daughter over there that's probably be better married or go after that one over there. Or this, this, you know, this young woman that has moved into town or something. Go, the librarian, go find her. Don't go to, to Gomer. But God said, love her again. And that meant Hosea had to bear that. Hosea had to walk into that slave market, had to sign a document, had to pay a price, had to bring her back. Could you imagine what he was going through? The text doesn't say right here. Wow. Was it shame? Was it disgust? Was it resentment? Was it bitterness? All we're told is God said, go love her. And that love has no place for resentment. And that love has no place for bitterness. And that love has no place for anger. And that love has no place for shame. Go love her. Buy her, buy her. But love her. Love costs. Love gives. I got to say that's a marriage, y'all. He literally bought her back. With the exception of Jesus. And that is fulfilling a love like this. With the exception of Jesus. There is no greater love. And by Jesus, I mean John 3.16. It's God the Father loving the world by sending his son. I get it. Besides that, this is it. This is the greatest love story in the Bible. And I'm getting emotional because we've already discussed this. 
I was the one that was bought back. So are you. Don't you ever forget you are Gomer. This is your story. You were bought back. You were undeserving. You were unworthy of that type of love. Just on its face, you are unworthy. It doesn't make one lick of sense. That's it. Grace never makes sense. Wow. So I bought her. And I said to her, verse 3, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be with you. He says three things for you here. And it's my poetic license, but it's taken from the text. I will care for you. Do not return to your past. I will again be your husband. Romance, mic drop. Wow. What's better than that? I will care. So he's giving her boundaries here. All good relationships have boundaries. He's going to her buying her back, but he's saying, listen, you're mine. You're not anyone else's again. You're mine. And I'm yours. Verses four and five. God's going to go to Israel here. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. You might remember that ephod from the Gideon days. Remember that guy? He came back and he made a golden ephod, put it in his backyard, and he worshipped it. And he led Israel astray. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince or sacrifice or pillar, pillar without ephod or household gods. What's that all about? Well, Israel, you bums, you, you chased after your kings. You chased after your prince and your celebrities. You worshiped them. Gosh, that speaks today. You followed those bozo. There was zero good kings in Israel, by the way. Of all the kings, go to the kings and the chronicles. Zero were up north. The only good kings up north were David, who was over everybody. and Technically, Solomon, although I would argue that you know, fiercely, but on a technicality because of David. Zero. Every good king is in Judah. There's like five or six more. Maybe not even that. Maybe four or five. Like Asa, Jehoshaphat. There's a, there's a few of them. Hezekiah. Okay. They're all down south. Zero in Israel up north. None. So Hosea speaking to them, Hosea speaking to them, Jonah speaking in that area. None of them got a good king, not one. So all they had were these bozo kings they chased after. So God's saying, you're not going to have that anymore. I'm going to take that away. I'm going to take away your pillars, you know, those Asherah poles. Oh, heck no, they're going to be gone. You're not going to have these bail things again. No, no, that's going to be gone. I'm going to take these things away. 
and then Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. Now, this says something to Israel. Remember, Israel's up north. You, you look at David, you say, well, David's linked to Judah, and Judah's down south. But David wasn't the king of, of Judah. David was king of Israel. In fact, you look at some of the stories in Samuel, the, the northern groups, they thought they had a greater claim to David than the south did. Even though the, the familiar David was linked to Judah down south, the northern tribes said, you know what, David's our guy. We have a claim to David. And so he's saying, he's looking at the future here, saying, you know what, one day I'm going to draw my wife back to me. And I'm going to go get her. And I'm going to pay one hell of a price. Almost literally hell. And I'm going to give her some boundaries. And we're going to live again. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to the good and to his goodness in the latter days. So what's God going to do? I will remove the others, the ensnarers. Ask Solomon about the ensnarers. He, he understands the ensnarers all day. The other wives and goddesses and all that stuff. And then I will not reject them or their hope. They could have Messiah hope again. They could follow David, their king. Could you imagine what that would sound like to somebody up north? Who you haven't been linked to King David in how many generations? You might have thought the Messiah was not possible for you, and you couldn't have that Messiah hope. That just was down, down, you know, down country with Judah, that's it. Maybe Benjamin, but that's it. You had no choice. You had no chance at that hope, and now God's saying, you can follow David as your king again. That would have sounded wonderful. They might have said, really? You mean it? And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness. They're going to have something here. Daniel texted, how different are we from Israel? We chased after sports and entertainment in Hollywood. We even had the audacity to call them idols. Oh, like an American idol, yeah. But the Lord loves us still. The blue text there. God doesn't deal with Israel based upon justice. And certainly not because of fairness but simply undeserved grace. Was Hosea just with Gomer? She didn't get what her sins deserved, did she? Her sins deserved a payment, deserved rejection. You could argue that she did get what her sins deserved, but rather it was taken by another. Someone in her place paid that price. Certainly not fairness, my goodness. Undeserved grace. Never forget you are Gomer. 
Never forget that's how God shows his love for you. On the cross, Jesus paid a debt you could not pay. You would still be on that shameful slave block, bearing the right, the, the, the weight, the price for your sins. But God, But God, can I read this one more time? It's only five verses. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Though they turned to other gods and loved cakes of raisins, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lefek of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord, their God. Remember not my people? Remember? The ones who didn't get to have a God, the ones who didn't get to have mercy, no mercy, God's going to seek after them, and they're going to turn to him. They shall come in fear to the Lord and in goodness in the later days, in the latter days. This is a great love story. If ever you feel like that nobody loves you, Remember, you're Gomer. If ever you feel like you have no place in God's plan, remember, you're Gomer. You may feel at times like you're alone and, 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 and unloved. But my friend, you've experienced the greatest possible love. You're Gomer. Don't ever forget that. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Then in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 8. This has been Big Rev from Hosea chapter 3. Thanks for letting me share.